Can you stop this list from counting down? Please help me rank the Beatles songs and let this podcast end. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> Feeling a little Bee Gees today. I love it. I'm, I'm glad. That was a surprising little treat. Yeah, you didn't know that was coming. I didn't. I'm real happy about it, a though. Little, a little brother's gib mm. for us mm-hmm. to wrap the year up. Friends, it's the end of the year, 2023. Welcome to episode 121 Yowzas. of Ranking the Beatles. That's a whole lot of episodes. That is a lot. My goodness. Uh, friends, I am Jonathan over here to my left, somewhere in the middle of the speaker, though, for you. The always lovely and always adorable Julia. How are you, my love? I'm good. You were doing this adorable little squirrel thing earlier, or <laughs> you were eating this little fruit and nut and cheese thing into the microphone before we started recording. Thanks for sharing that with everyone. I'm gonna I'm gonna tack it on to the end of the episode. Please don't do that. Let everyone hear what it's like <laughs> as you burrow away and just shove little cashews into your cheeks like a squirrel. It was adorable. Well, it's it's winter, isn't that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> Stirring up warmth for hibernation. <laughs> I love it. Um, what a year, friends. It's been such a good year for us. We uh, we knocked out a whole bunch of rankings this year. I know we took a bit of an extended break, uh, but not too bad. I mean, we started this year at, uh, where were we? My goodness, I'm looking back at the list here. We were at episode 91? 91. Wow. And now we're at... 121. You guys got a lot of episodes out of us this year. You're welcome. Yeah, we did it. We did a lot this year. Good on us. Mm-hmm. Upholding our end of the bargain. <laughs> S- sort of. <laughs> I feel like we've made a lot of progress, though. This is good. And uh, we've still got a ways to go. So, I mean, still a few more years of, of ranking coming oh, y'all's boy. way. Get ready. But, um, y'all, it's a good one today. We've got a pretty big one to wrap the year up. I'm really excited about it. Mm-hmm. We listen to this guest a whole lot on the uh, on the old radio. We do, That's as true. It, as it were, uh, y'all. Our guest this week got his start in the early 1980s as the bassist in the band Drama Rama before turning his attention to managing bands like the Wondermints, who you may also know as the core of Brian Wilson's phenomenal backing band for the last 20 years. Uh, he's also directed a documentary on legendary K-Rock DJ Rodney Bingenheimer called The Mayor of Sunset Strip. In 2001, he became the host of Breakfast with the Beatles, originally airing out of Los Angeles on KLOS before taking it nationwide in 2008 on Sirius XM's Little Steven's Underground Garage channel, which, Little Steven, we'd love to have you on the show. Holler at your boy sometime. Uh, Before moving it over to the Beatles channel in 2017. I'm pretty sure Steven Van Zandt listens to our show. Oh, definitely. 110%. (laughs) He and Bruce just sit around and... In Jersey and listen to They text each other when they get the notification that a new Steve. episode has dropped <laughs> yeah. every Tuesday. They're like, oh. <laughs> Bruce is like, refresh uh, your podcast app. Refresh your podcast. It's a new, <laughs> a new rank of the Beatles. 
with the exception of John Lennon, our guest this week has interviewed all the individual Beatles, including Pete Best, as well as countless other musicians and artists, all of whom were fans of the Fab Four. We, of course, are big fans of the show, as the Beatles channel is on in our car pretty much at all times. Breakfast with the Beatles uh, has been celebrating its 40th anniversary this year, and we couldn't be more thrilled to wrap up our year here at Ranking the Beatles by having him on our show. Y'all, please welcome Chris Carter. Chris, welcome to Ranking the Beatles. How are you, man? Uh, thank you for having me, Jonathan and Julia. And thank you for being here. It's an absolute honor. We, as I mentioned, uh, are huge fans of the show. We listen uh, almost daily when we're in the car in the mornings, especially uh, coming home from the gym. We always get the nice countdown. And, uh, you know, then there's Paul. Take it away, Chris. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you'd love it. Such Great. huge fans of the show. 40 years this year, right? Yeah, it started in uh, Los Angeles in 1983, uh, by Deirdre O'Donoghue, who yeah. was the host at the time. And, uh, I've been doing it for about 22 years now. That's amazing. Well done. Well yeah. done. You know, obviously, and I'm, as we were talking earlier, uh, you said you do eight sh
he's probably torn because they've obviously done it a lot longer mm-hmm. than the mm-hmm. Beatles did. Well, that's why they have that part of it. You yeah. know, they 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 check that box because they're still, you know, we're still doing it. You know, yeah. they can stop that. And, you know, the Beatles obviously yeah. can't. Right. Therefore. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So when did it kind of become you know, an all, an all encompassing kind of favorite thing for you as a, as a listener, as a musician, I know, obviously, you know, you uh, are a musician and you've had a career as a musician, you know, how did that kind of work its way into all that for you? Well, the first part of that question, like when did I really start getting into the Beatles hardcore was, I guess, when I started buying unreleased recordings, you know, mm. um, I owned, a, I owned a record store and, you know, bootlegs was, was a big part of our collecting because, you know, you can only have so much stuff that was released. And if you're a fan of whoever you're a fan of, that kind of goes hand in hand with it. So I started really getting into all that stuff and kind of like educated myself. So I knew what year, what month, what sessions, everything was recorded. And, and that, you know, that was a whole like I said, an education in itself. And then you kind of parallel that with all the other bands and artists you like that mm-hmm. aren't the Beatles. If that's the kind of a collector and a guy that you are music-wise, then you kind of follow suit. But it all started with the Beatles, and they kind of taught you how to even um, learn how to follow a band. You know, it's like you have to, if you're really into, like, as you know, you know, if you're, if you're into David Bowie, you have to know, you know, what, part of 1971 they were recording hunky dory and when they started to record ziggy stardust like you know the month you know and it's that way with the beatles you know mm-hmm. you can pick any month of any any year and we can tell you what they were doing you know it's like it's just you know oh october 65 well they're working on rubber soul right. first day was october 12th <laughs> oh yeah they did Legion wood and uh, run for your life the first you know you know all that you know and it kind of teaches you how to do that with everybody and they were like like they were in, you know, the rock and roll world. They're like the blueprint for mm-hmm. everything that follows, you know. For sure. So, And then musically, how would you say they influenced you? Because obviously, you know, you've been on both sides of the coin as a musician, as you said, a record store owner, as a DJ, you know. But at, at the core of it all, you know, you were a musician. You know, how did that right. kind of touch on what you did musically? Well, you know, with the Beatles, again, it's obviously the music is where it all starts. Um, but with the Beatles, it's more than just the music. It's, it's the packaging of the records. It's the look, how they changed every year or two. It's how they produced records, you know, how they wrote songs. So all those aspects of what made the Beatles, the Beatles kind of follows suit in your musical career. So you know, we didn't try to necessarily sound like the Beatles, our band. We obviously love the Beatles, but we were, you know, we kind of rooted in other music after that. But you, you, we, I use the Beatles, our band, you use the Beatles. Like when you're putting your album cover together, it's like, you know, you look at Magical Mystery Tour and you're looking at all these things and you follow what they did. And the other thing about the Beatles that, you know, people sometimes, well, they don't forget, but when they try to figure out why they were, you know, so great and how they lasted so long consecutively made all these, you know, great records. And that is because they would change every two years. They were a different band. Mm-hmm. They, and, and, you know, you don't realize it, but when you look back at it, 
that's what they did and that's how they kept it fresh and that's how they they pulled it off for you know nine straight years or whatever it was you know you look at there's the mop top beatles we love r&b and rock and roll and then there was you know we're the folky beatles and we're you know listening to bob dylan and now we're the psychedelic beatles i mean a completely different band you yeah. know mm-hmm. you sergeant pepper and you know she loves you it's like that's the two different groups practically they look different they're wearing different outfits they're and then the white album you know they went back to their rock and roll roots and, and it, they always were different and you know bowie was the only other guy to do that like in the 70s and that's the same he did that exact same thing you know there was folky bowie ziggy bowie you know r&b funk bowie ziggy stardust to a funk record like, right. and that's exactly what the beatles did it was completely different and you know that was the key so that's what you learned and that's what we learned you know in my band dramarama that's what the beatles did for us you know you could kind of follow their their pattern you know mm-hmm. uh, how they recorded records how they wrote songs you know all that part of it is you know you're cognizant of but we weren't you know necessarily trying to sound like a liver puddly band or anything <laughs> yeah um, but you know it was more of the beatles you know the essence of what made the beatles the beatles that you kind of s- sticks with you yeah yeah and then, you know, after all these years as a musician, you make this transition into radio. How does that come about? How do you end up, you know, taking over Breakfast with the Beatles at some point? Well, I always, I, you know, I think everybody who's in a band, <laughs> most musicians you speak to, you know, especially uh, guys who, you know, were in bands in the 60s uh, and the 70s, you know, radio was it for us i mean that's where you listen to music there was no other place there was no mtv there was no you know it was the radio and especially you know the 60s and and the early 70s you know that was it uh you didn't know you know before mtv you know you didn't even know what these guys talk spoke like you didn't you know aside from the beatles you saw them in the movies but you know mm-hmm. you never knew what jimmy page talked like you never saw him <laughs> it's like you saw him in circus and cream and you had the albums and but that was it um so radio was was all you know we had and when i was in a band i was always the guy that would go to the radio station you know i'll go i'll go to the radio station <laughs> <laughs> you know, just it's the fun part of the gig for yeah. me you know um and again if you like music you listen to the radio and that's where you learned about the music that you loved especially when you're younger you know that was key when you're i mean i was listening to wabc in new york when i was like seven years old on i mean i can tell you every you know the summer of 67 i remember you know you picture yourself with that little radio and you know that that was that was all you had that was the escape you know because you only had so many channels on tv and everything so the radio was was everything and now, of course, it's diluted, and you have four million ways to listen to everything. Right, <laughs> uh, quite the same. Um, but you know, to some people, it is still. I guess. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I got into radio. And the the Beatles thing was this was a very popular show in in Los Angeles, where I moved to. I grew up in New Jersey, um, and I also have to add, I, I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting uh, as well. <laughs> if you listen to you know any of the New York tri-state area rock stations you always had commercials for the connecticut school of broadcasting <laughs> and i went for like a semester at fairly dickinson and then i kind of you know i went for business management and because i wanted to open a record store one day so i quit that you know 
college life and opened a record store. And at the same time, I, you know, went to the uh, Connecticut School of Broadcasting and, you know, got my third class license and all that. Back then you needed a third class license to go on the radio. Now any, mm. any, any fool can go on the radio. <laughs> but, yeah, you have to take tests, you know, megahertz and you have wow. to know all this stuff. And it was cool, though. You know, Marv Albert was one of our teachers. They would teach all the kids from Brooklyn how to speak. You know, you, know, <laughs> you got to lose the accent, kids. And they'd have all these guys from Long Island come in and, and teach you how to speak properly. So it was fun. You know? yeah. So I always loved radio. I, I mean, I loved it even back then when I wanted to contemplate being in radio. So uh, Breakfast with the Beatles was this kind of famous show in Los Angeles. Everybody listened to it on Sunday mornings. And then there was this one Sunday morning I was listening and there was no Deirdre O'Donoghue, the host. There was just, you know, Beatles songs and then they went to commercials. And I called the station. I was like, what happened? Is Deirdre not coming in today? Or, you know, whatever. I was just like a listener. And uh, they said, no, she, you know, she didn't show up, the engineer said. She had passed away, and that that was it. And, you know, when you work on Sunday mornings, there's no one else at the station but you. Mm -hmm. So there's no one who really misses you, you know. And she, she used to take the bus, so she didn't have a car. So it was kind of a weird thing. No one knew where she was. And uh, after that, they uh, decided to keep the show going, but they were going to have to pick a new host. So they had five different people hosting. I was one of the five. So every five weeks for the summer after she passed away, you would get your chance to host the show, right? And then at the end of the summer, they're going to have a vote. So, you know, you'd listen to the other people all doing the show and you'd wait for your fifth week to, you know, do a killer show. And one of the guys who you, he's, I can say who he is. I don't care. Everybody <laughs> knows who he is. Martin Lewis, Martin Lewis, you know, Martin Lewis, he's, mm. you know, he's, he's got good credits. He's worked on three issues of, you know, a hard day's night and he did the secret policeman's ball and he was you know a british guy he was friends with all the uh Ruttles and all but <laughs> he was he was one of the guys but with what martin lewis would do is he would fade out a song after a minute what in like 10 seconds so he could talk again so he'd be playing we can work it out and you know get to the chorus we can even go we can work it out. 1965 Beatles, which brings me back to a story that I remember in 1965. And he starts telling some story. And like, dude, let the, it's only two minutes and right. 58 seconds. Come on. What are you, you're saying? He'd fade out every song. Oh my gosh. Wow. It, was, it was unbelievable. And I was like, well, he's not going to, you know, he can't fade out the songs. It was just, it was so crazy that he did that. And another guy, who worked at Rhino, I'm listening for him, and he doesn't come one week. He forgets. Oh, no. You're going for the job, right? Every five weeks is your thing, right? And he, and he, he doesn't he didn't come in. Oh. It was like 11 o'clock. I call in. I go, uh, is Jim coming in today? I was like, no, he didn't show up. So I went down. I said, I'm going to go finish the show. <laughs> nice. I, went in, I went in, and then he shows up at like 10, 10 after 11. Shows on from 9 till 12. He came in like 10 after 11 with his box of Beatles records. And we're like, dude, there's only 40 minutes left in the show. You missed the show. Yeah, but it's my Sunday. I go, it starts at nine. <laughs> it's like, and we're like, what's my job to tell him to do that? I was just like, guy going. But it was like, these guys are hilarious. So needless to say, with that crew, I got the job. Right. <laughs>
yeah, that's how I got it. And uh, so I've been there for 22 years. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. It pays to be on time and uh, to, <laughs> to look at your calendar and know what's on happening. On your Sunday. You know, every five weeks. got five weeks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, for gosh sakes. God. Yeah, so, oh. so 20 years in, you know, and you and you do this on on such a, a voluminous basis. You know, how do you keep it fresh for yourself and for the listeners? Because, you know, I feel like you're working with a catalog that is somewhat finite. Um, even though you obviously go into solo material and covers and offshoots and things like that, but having done it now, you know, seven days a week for 20 something years, how do you maintain your sanity with it? How does it not drive you crazy? Well, you know, it's or the does same it? way. Look. <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's simple. If you just, if you just go day by day and not look at the bigger picture, you know, um, I try to do these, you know, things on a, on a weekly basis. We have, you know, our Macca Monday. Okay. Mm. So that gives me all Paul McCartney. And, you know, we do that because Paul does have so much more. If you go song for song and look at the whole catalogs, you know, Paul's just, you know, over here with, he's got this much stuff. And yeah. John's got this much stuff, you know, aside from the Beatles when you go solo. Mm -hmm. So I, I figure Paul gets a Monday and, you know, you wouldn't even notice it if you just tuned in, you know, you'll hear lovely Rita, we can work it out. And then you're like, Hey, wait a minute. These are all Paul's songs. you know. <laughs> um, so I do that on Mondays. I got a two for Tuesday, which is one of the old, you know, corny FM cliches. But when you're doing it, staying within the subject matter of Beatles, it can be a little more interesting. And I try to be clever, you know? Yeah. So when I, when I try to pair up songs, there's, you know, I try to find unique pairings and, things that Beatle fans would find interesting. We have a spin the wheel Wednesday, which is just, you know, I do that. These are all things to answer your question, how to break up the, you know, amount of songs that you have to deal with is basically 20 songs an hour. There's no commercials. So it's mm -hmm. 60 songs a day. And a, a friends and family Friday is the other thing we do. And then on Thursdays, I let producer Luis Lopez make a playlist. That's a bit we do. So did you bring in your playlist, Luis? And then I don't know what's on the playlist. And I'm, you know, kind of going uh, off the top of my head as I'm looking at his playlist. So that's kind of the, the daily way we do it on the Beatles channel. And then, of course, you got your anniversaries of the album, the single mm -hmm. you have today in Beatles history, you know, Mal Evans, you know, passed away today. We remember Mal and we'll play, you know, no matter what by Badfinger, because Mal produced that. No matter what day it is, there's something that happened in Beatles history. So I have that in front of me, you know, I know, you know, um, Walls and Bridges came out today in 1974 in England not America. So then you talk about that, you know, why did we get it before they got it in England? You know, I, I remember the Lefkowitz twins had it in junior high. And I saw <laughs> Walls and Bridges before I did. I went and bought it. Sam Goody's like, they love that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, you talk about your, any, any memories of buying a record or, or where you bought it or what was going on when you bought that record. Listeners I identify with that, especially older ones that kind of, were there at mm -hmm. the time and then the younger ones appreciate it too because they weren't there at the time and they and they enjoy that you're you know reminiscing like that and uh yeah so that's kind of how i approach it on a daily basis then you got your birthdays you know the other day you know the guy from sparks had a birthday so i play <laughs> hey russell <laughs> mail's born today you know, they covered a beatles song <laughs> right. like i play it just i want to show people that that there's stuff out there that you're not going to hear 
that's the other thing. You try to you try to not play stuff that's weird that's going to lose an audience, but you want to be different and play them something that they might like, mm-hmm. you know, that they might not know about. You know, it's one thing to get eclectic and play things no one knows, but you want to you want to do it where it's they're going to find it interesting. You know, it's like sure. you know, this is here's Milton Berle doing yellow submarine like you know, there's all these jewish jokes in it hey what do this guy and it's like it's like it's like this whole it's like it's the craziest thing and like that's just kind of funny you know so you know i'll i'll slip that kind of stuff in there's a guy named brad berwick who made this record called i'm better than the beatles and it's got some of the greatest lyrics of all time it's like you know you know george is gonna you know, mow my lawn and John's going to walk my dog and Ringo's <laughs> going to sell his drums and clean my pool. It's like the funniest <laughs> thing of all. And, uh, you know, so stuff like that, you know, I try to slip stuff like that into, you know, just to, so we're not overly serious mm-hmm. because the Beatles were funny yeah. people, you know, if you watch, no matter what you watch, you watch the get back, to, you know, the get back, you know, the, the dramatic get back. So they're, they're, they're they're making jokes 80% of the time. Literally, the, literal yeah. fart jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ringo farts. It's like, you know, crazy. And uh, same with John, you know, the the dour Plastic Ono band sessions. The whole time, John's just, I used to love that one. He's playing all day. They used to have, those guys had fun. They were funny guys, you mm-hmm. know. So I think keeping the humor going, you know, and playing a lot of novelty records, slipping those in, you know, just taking the air out of things, I think, is uh, also... Um, a likable trait that we, you know listeners like you know trying to be too serious a lot of times you know yeah people get very serious about the beatles you they know, do it's, mm-hmm. you know it's it, it the music speaks for itself and you can feel how you do about it but to get overly dramatic and the beatles never did that yeah you know if you ever noticed their interviews they rarely talked about their music and why they did stuff they would answer questions but they wouldn't offer a lot you know they they kind of you know you listen you get what you get out yeah is there a beatles cover on um little what is it little joey the joe pesci oh little joe oh, sure joe can pesci. sing yeah. yeah little joe got to get you into my life yes oh do you ever play that i think i heard that on your show for the first last, time. yeah i played it last last week i think yes. <laughs> i think the first time we heard that was on was on his show and was, oh you might be right i was like please find out what this is off of so i can own this record i think i did like shazam it yeah. like in the car <laughs> yeah no it's uh it's it's great it's, but i think uh, i think you raised such a good point though about the fun of the beatles and like they don't need to be sold by anybody at this point. Like there's no convincing that needs to be done by anything other than those records. Like all the pontificating in the world isn't going to make anyone a fan. Like it's just celebrate and enjoy what's there. Remember, remember in the sixties, like, you know, 68, 69, you know, these musicologists would dissect Eleanor Rigby and they would tell you, you know, they would, they would go through. And it was, it was always so, I had hated it because it was so ridiculous. It was like, they were trying to put the Beatles music in a, you know, in, in a perspective, you know, a real musicologist and mm. they would tell you about sending this and that. And it was so dry and it just didn't mean anything after a while. It's like, you could do that with anything. Uh, you could do that with, uh, you know, Every song in the world, but you couldn't do it with Joe Pesci. Right. He's gonna sing, <laughs> right now for him. Hold on. It's so good. It's from the album 
Little Joe Sings, I believe. <laughs> the actual title. Here we go. I didn't know what I was finding. Got a picture of good fellas hair. Yes. This is the best part, man. It's amazing. Doesn't sound too dangerous there. I know. <laughs> I think that's the best part is because he's always like such a, such a tough yeah. guy yeah. in movies. Sounds more then... like the guy from Home Alone in that one. Yes, right? it's very jaunty. <laughs> oh man, you know the, the other thing I, I wanted to ask you before we move into talk about this week's song, you know, is with the change kind of in landscape of mu- of radio and music consumption, and obviously like you've taken the show from terrestrial radio and move to satellite radio. Um, and I know there's an online presence, you know, how do you see the show progressing in the future? Cause 40 years for a radio show is pretty amazing. So how do you see it going for another 40, another 20? Like, how do you see that extension happening? I see just, con- you know, con- continuing exactly what we're doing now. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, it is, it is what it is. It's just, you know, um, I didn't really, stray too much from where it was before me i might have got a little deeper with things or whatever but you know it's uh it, it's a morning beatles radio show and i approach it differently now because it used to just be a sunday morning thing so you know there's certain there's a certain vibe on a sunday morning you know mm-hmm. uh, opposed to a monday morning rush job you know it's different so i kind of you know i retooled it that way knowing that I had a different audience now. And we also, it's interesting because while I guess people can still, you know, change channels and move up and down while they're driving to work or whatever, um, it's, you know, they have a phrase, a term in radio, you know, go to radio or go to, you know, show or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Beatles channel, like, I think, you know, they're going there, they know what they're getting. It's not like, you know, we used to be on a rock station that would play, you know, all sorts of stuff. And then we would do the Beatles show on Sunday morning, but the Beatles channel now, you know, this is the home for all the Beatles fans. So it's, you're dealing with a built-in audience and they know what they're getting when they're, when they're turning it on opposed to, you know, a regular radio station when you're just part of their normal lineup. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you you know, your audience a little more and uh, they know the subject matter a little more. So you got to remember that. And, you know, as they always say, you're talking to both the most hardcore Beatle collector geek. And at the same time, you're talking to someone who has, you know, the Beatles one album. And that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. They still love the Beatles. They love them. They're their favorite group, but they have just, all they have is Beatles one. You know, there are people like that. Yeah. You know? It's so, literally you know, us. Like that's, that's us. Like he's the massive Beatles fan that has, all the books and knows everything and has all this knowledge and can tell you what they were doing on October 12th, 1967. And you know, like what, I don't need, is that even a real date for them? Probably were they together? And I'm the one that's the just like, that's a pretty good song. Yeah. I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. But you, but you love the Beatles. I do. Right. Julie? You, yeah. you love the Beatles and you feel the same way. So, yeah, so when you're back announcing a set of songs, you know, I have to keep in mind, you know, I'm talking to both of you yes. at the same time. So I'm going to give a little bit for him, you know, and then a little bit 
you know, for you and just move on. But not so too much know. so that the yeah, people like me are like, not... <laughs> <laughs> we just fall asleep. <laughs> a little humor is always good too. Absolutely. You're, if you're going to geek out, it's always good to end with a little something like maybe lighter. So you're not, you know, preaching again, you know, to the altar of the Beatles, you know, <laughs> you, you, you kind of, you know, it's a song after all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, yeah. It is. It's a very fine line and it's, it's a, it's a very like, yeah. And you, you walk it very well. Cause it's not often that I find myself getting bored. At all, really. Right. I shouldn't say it's not often. I don't really get bored on the station. I think there's like nuggets of information and um, stories and things like that that are from the host's perspective and also just like stories about like what the Beatles were doing on that day. But it never goes on so long that it's like, oh, my God, please right. stop you talking. Wanna, you want to keep it moving. <laughs> and, you know, the other thing is, you know, the other, you know, important part of putting the show together is not to do something, you know. I, I'll never play twist and shout into happiness is a worm. <laughs> right. right. You know, you have to be cognizant. And that's what happens on not only the Beatles channel, on any channel. They, they just, the songs are just programmed, then you're going to hear anything at random. So, like, I'm very, you know, I'm always very cognizant of what you're going to hear next, what you're going to hear in between. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't have anything to do with each other sonically, and, you know, the, they have to flow, yeah. and, you know, with end of, you know, a day in the life when that chord's ringing, maybe I'm going to play You Never Give Me Your Money because that piano at the end of that chord just works so good opposed to, you know, no reply at the end of, you know, as the fade out of A Day in the Life, you know, no reply starts. It's like, why? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I want there to be a reason. I want there to, I want you to like go to the next song. That's the way the Beatles made records too. They would remember, you know, they would, sequence things like that mm -hmm. that they wanted you know um, so yeah that's also very important to me there's, mm -hmm. there's there's no better transition than i want to hold your hand into what's the new mary jane everybody <laughs> loves <go>. that exactly <laughs> you, so those two you think go together i mean they right. just go together it's like sergeant <laughs> with a little help from my friends they just, you know, back in the ussr dear prudence you know yep right? <laughs> Oh, man. Well, why don't we turn our attention then, friends, uh, to our song of the week, shall we? Coming in at number 95 is Savoy Truffle. In 1968, George Harrison had accumulated a solid backlog of songs. Still working under the quota of two or three songs per album, George entered the Beatles' demo sessions at his Esher bungalow with five songs under his belt, three of which don't even end up on the final album. Not Guilty, which we ranked at 127, was left in the archives despite its 100-plus takes. The song Circles wasn't even attempted by the band, and the song Sour Milk Sea was recorded by George, Ringo, and Paul, 
uh, with help from Nicky Hopkins and Eric Clapton, and was given to Jackie Lomax, a singer George signed to Apple with the intent of producing his album. Now, speaking of Clapton, one of the songs that George came up with during the sessions for the record that does find its way on the album uh, is inspired by his, by his friend Eric's tendency to overindulge in chocolates to the point of having multiple cavities. So by 1968, George and Eric had become fast friends. George at some point noticing that Eric would go absolutely ham on chocolates, <laughs> despite having this mouthful of cavities, took inspiration from the names of chocolates on a box of Macintosh's Good News Double Center Chocolate Assortment. Uh, a week or so before recording the song, in an interview with the NME, George also expressed disappointment with the public's confusion uh, over his messages in songs like Within You Without You from Sgt. Pepper and a desire to write simpler songs that wouldn't puzzle the listener so much. He says, quote, This next album is much simpler than Pepper because it's more down to guitars, bass, and drums, maybe a piano. It's still all Within You Without You, but I don't want to go into that anymore because now I'm being a rock and roll star. Which I love that he's just like, now I'm being a rock and roll star. <laughs> uh, so after turning in some more serious songs, though, in the last few Beatle records, he might have been aiming to write something with a bit more lighthearted. And lighthearted is certainly the order of the day here, as the lyrics come directly from the names of chocolates, like Cream Tangerine, Montelay Moore, uh, Ginger Sling, Coffee Dessert, and of course, Savoy Truffle. So on October 3rd, in a session running from 4 p.m. to 2.30, George, Paul, and Ringo record the basic track for Savoy Truffle at London's Trident Studios. Only one take was laid to the tape, and there's no demo for the song, so the three Beatles must have spent a good amount of time rehearsing the track. Now, two days later, George records his lead vocal and adds guitar, while Paul also adds his harmony vocal. And at the, at the suggestion of George Martin, his assistant Chris Thomas arranges a score for the song for saxophones, and a week later back at EMI, George and engineer Ken Scott record the brass section in a three-hour session. George asks Ken to distort the sound, and the engineer then runs the signal through two overdriven guitar amps. Now, when the horn players enter the control room to hear the playback, George greets them by saying, Now, before you listen, I've got to apologize for what I've done to your beautiful sound. Please forgive me, but it's the way I want it. Uh, the track was finished three days later, with George adding lead guitar, Chris Thomas adding keyboard and organ, and percussion by Paul. And then during the mixing session, George Martin, who had been somewhat absent during the session for this song, turns up and asks if maybe the horns are recorded a bit too loud and bright, to which Harrison replies, yes, and I like it, <laughs> and returns back to mixing the song. The song was released on the White Album in November of 68, of course, was never performed live by the band or by George Solo. So... Why do I have Savoy Truffle at 95? Now, I've talked in previous episodes about songs where I've loved the track, but maybe, dedu maybe deduct points for meaningless lyrics. And I know that this song, on the whole, is kind of a pretty unpopular one in the Beatles catalog. But personally, I think this is one of the coolest sounding tracks in the entire Beatles catalog. Uh, it's some of the grooviest playing on any Beatles track, up there with I'm the Walrus or Come Together. It's funky keyboards, funky bass part. And what I think is maybe the coolest horn sound I've ever heard. And being from New Orleans, horns are kind of a big part of our musical DNA here. And I've never heard horns sound like this anywhere else. I absolutely love the sound of the horns on this record. They're essentially playing a Zeppelin riff, and they're the lead instrument of the track, which is a really great party trick. Uh, George's guitar playing is maybe a bit more Clapton-influenced in that he's playing a bit more distorted heavy tone than he normally does. Uh, but it's super cool. Ringo gives a real solid backbeat. Just sounds really great. Uh, the track has a real rocking energy to it, though, that's almost a bit frenetic, especially with Paul's bass part, which kind of just goes all over the place. He's kind of playing lead bass 
in this song and never following just like the simple root note chord progression never goes where you think he should. Um, so it's kind of like the musical equivalent of like a sugar rush. It's just a lot happening at all times. Um, but I think this, and I think also the song bears more than a passing resemblance to Sour Milk Sea, musically and performance wise, uh, which tracks because you have the same three musicians on the basic track. And even musically, the vibe is very similar. And I almost kind of have to wonder if maybe when Sour Milk Sea wasn't lighting up the charts, George repurposed that idea, that vibe, that progression for another song. And this is what he came up with. So this one, I think, gets overlooked a lot. And I think that's kind of a crime because it's one of the most fun, rocking moments on the White Album. And for me, it's really nice to hear George being a rock guitar player again. I actually, I genuinely love this song. I think it's fantastic. I think it should get way more love than it does. Them's my two cents. Chris, I toss it to you. Savoy Truffle, what do you think? Everything you said was 100% incorrect. No, <laughs> I've been waiting for someone to do that. Perfect. <laughs> oh, you nailed it. You did good. I, too, love Savoy Truffle. It's always been a favorite. I dig the mono mix because the last verse is you can hear that uh, guitar better. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's great. And you know, what's interesting about that and so many George Harrison songs is the absence of John Lennon. Yeah. And you take a look at George's uh, Beatle output on the songs he wrote, you'll find that John doesn't show up. Love You Too, No John Lennon, Here Comes the Sun, No John Lennon, I Mean Mine, No John Lennon, Long, 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 No John Lennon, mm -hmm. Savoy Truffle, No John Lennon. And I always try to figure that out. Why is that? You know, because they were buddies, you know? Why would? Why is that? And, and I always kind of figure that maybe John figures they're George songs and George is the guitar player. So, you know. On George's songs, let George play all the guitar. What am I going to play better guitar than George? That's all I'm thinking. He's thinking like because yeah. because after you know one or two is one thing, but then you start saying, wait, sound like trouble. Long, long, long. Here comes the sun. Why is John not on? Here comes the sun. You know, I mean, mine. We know why because you know it was 1970. But still, even love you too. He's not singing on. You know, and uh, it's just interesting. And uh, that's a. Uh, thought i always have when i think about yeah especially on like a rock song like this you think that this would be right up his alley like mm -hmm. right just... right you know the white album was weird in that it's the only time really um in the beatles recording career that that happened so often mm -hmm. you know that wasn't happening on sergeant pepper and it certainly wasn't happening on you know uh rubber soul and help where you know there's five songs or you know three or four songs without a beetle on them um you know the white album was a completely different trip obviously the way they were recording people were coming and going somewhere in one studio it wasn't even that they weren't there you know sometimes george would be in the other studio doing some strings or something you know mm -hmm. uh who knows um so they would they wouldn't you know always be there it's like when paul did um come and get it you know we played all the instruments on that and you're always picturing, you know, Paul sneaking down and doing all. But what's interesting is John was with him the whole time he did that, yeah. which I found <laughs> fascinating. Like John was really with Paul when Paul was playing the drums. Like they weren't like separate and John wasn't, you know, having sushi with Yoko in the corner. You know, he was with Paul when Paul was playing all the, you know, parts. So I like that, you know, and uh, 
I guess with George and, and those songs, you know, I guess it was just a matter of uh, who was around, when and where. But it is interesting that, yeah. you know, there are that many George songs, you know, with, without John. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but Savoy Truffle, I love it. And I just, uh, you know who John C. Riley is, right? Mm-hmm. You know? uh, Dewey Cox, of course. Oh, yeah. In the... In the uh, <laughs> So I had him on and I asked him what his favorite Beatles song was, right? And I think I have it. Wait, I was trying to cue it up while you were talking. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait. Between the Beatles. <laughs> the greatest lines of all time. Wait, wait. We love it. John, pick a Beatles song, any Beatles song, so we can end our interview and go into the fabs. Savoy Truffle. Really? Yeah. Why Savoy Truffle? Just because I just I love how cool that song is. I love the kind of hidden meanings in it. And uh, it's just got one of the greatest titles of their whole catalog. <laughs> and, and, and John Jordan. There you go. How about that? That's Our great. Song, Amazing. George song that it's a George song, see? <laughs> <laughs> they don't know everything. You know, right. <laughs> oh man. That was very cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, while you were talking, I, I found the interview. I knew it was at the end, and I tried to find if I could nail it for you, but there you go. Well done. So, everything, but yeah. so I was looking at your list. It's it's a pretty – I'm, I'm with you on, on a lot of things. Okay, okay. Lot, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's 111 songs better than Here, There, and Everywhere, right. but <laughs> other than that, I mean, I was – <laughs> that's that's weird because you know that's the one song john lennon says like was the only beatles song he wouldn't touch yeah you know that was and paul obviously you know yeah paul said his favorite beatles song we yeah. had you uh know, you know my name look up the number mm-hmm. yep back to hear that everywhere <laughs> we had uh dave depper the guitar player for death cab for cutie on for that episode for here there and everywhere and um the, one of the first things that I owned up to in that in that episode was I know that I blew that number. I don't know why I what mood I was in that made me put that at 111. <laughs> Some I, maybe I was drinking. It was the pandemic. We had nothing to do. <laughs> I was probably drinking a bottle of wine every day. Like I don't know how that ended up there. Oh, come on, uh, Wild Honey Pie beat a lot of stuff. <laughs> it did. But I, I have to tell you, what Wild Honey Pie is one of my favorite song yeah i love one super cool. it's like a ram song i mean yeah. it's like if that was on ram i mean that would that would fit on ram right after you know three legs it would be perfect oh 100 yeah 100%. I, I always i always like that paul side of paul you know yeah now what what about solo albums like what are your like Ooh. favorite favorite mccartney solo album um including wings i'm looking for the big picture here. yeah 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 i'm gonna have to say Favorite is probably Ram. Okay. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Venus and Mars at two, only because I've heard Band on the Run so many times. Right. And it's no disrespect, it's so it's a a better record than Venus and Mars, but I prefer Venus and Mars more. Right, right. Yeah. Sure. Then I'll go uh Band on the Run third, and I'm gonna go Chaos and Creation at number four. That is a favorite. And I might go McCartney two at number five. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. 
Now, Julie is a big Wings fan. I don't the know Wings. that you're you're not going to rank them because you're not good with titles and stuff I'm, like that. I'm but. really not. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, I would say, like, I would agree with you for, like, one and two. I think those are most often, like, Ram and Venus and Mars are most often our go-tos. Mm-hmm. Like, making breakfast, putting a record on. If we're going, like, solo yeah. Beatles, like, those are those are what we're reaching for most often. Yeah. They're just, like... Good breakfast making records. <laughs> For sure. I tried to get her to listen to Buku of Blues one morning. And she was like, This is the saddest thing. Yeah. Please turn this off. <laughs> now, hey, people ask me what's your favorite year for the Beatles, and I always I always shock them by saying 1970 is my favorite year for the Beatles. The, the year they broke up. Well, if you look at 1970, just their output, right? Yeah. More Beatles music came out in 1970 than any year of their career. Yeah, right? Yeah. 1970. You got Let It Be, the Let It Be album, right? Mm-hmm. You got Instant Karma, John Lennon. You got the McCartney album. You got two Ringo albums, Bukus of Blues and Sentimental Journey. Mm-hmm. You got All Things Must Pass, right? You got the Beatles Let It Be single, the Beatles Long and Winding Road single also came out in america of course you got my sweet lord 14 records came out by the beatles more songs so you got more john lennon songs in one year because john if you had abbey road you only got three four john lennon songs but you got 11 12 john lennon songs Mm -hmm. now right so like the output in 70 was incredible you got like you know it was amazing amount of Beatle records yeah McCartney and well you know it's great it was a great year that's a really good point I never thought about mm. that mm. yeah <laughs> great year and 73 is the other great year yeah all that. you got Ringo you've got Ringo Mind Games you got two mm. Wings albums Red Rose Speedway Band on the Run and you got Living in the Material World like yeah another great year man they were all hits and the Red and the Blue album <laughs> yeah not a bad year <laughs> yeah they had in the top 10 at one time they had red rose speedway living in the material world the red and the blue albums they had four in the top 10 in wow. 73 Jeez, and the ringo album hadn't come out yet and that would have been there too and then ringo had oh yeah in 73 ringo had two number ones on top of that which mm-hmm. is insane before Goodness. john never had a number one right <laughs> John Lennon was the last guy to have a number one as a solo. That's so he wild, was, right? And then he just was like, okay, cool, I'm good. I'm going to take a few years off now. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. John Lennon's you know, discography in the 70s was spotty at best after that great you know, kickoff with the Plastic Ono yeah. band. And, and, and Imagine, you know, it just, you know. I remember when, you know, sometime in New York came out just staring at the album cover, you know. 13 years old going, there's something wrong here. Wait, right. there's something. There's, this isn't going to be as good as a match. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling something different. You know, you can tell just by the cover. Mm-hmm. You know, the nude, nude Nixon. Yeah. Was, was, <laughs> I could tell something wasn't, was different with John. Yeah. I, tell. I will say Walls and Bridges has really grown on me as a record. Oh, I've, Walls I've grown and Bridges to really is, love I, that album. It's like, a commercial, more produced plastic Ono band yeah. album. You know, it's the same vibe. You know, it's got scared and bless. You know, all those songs are great. There's no bad songs on Walls and Bridges. Yeah, I mean, it's so much better than Mind Games. Yeah, no offense against Mind Games. You know, it's got great songs out the blue. I know, I know, but it's there's a lot of 
average song for sure for sure you know and then coming off of you know new york city it wasn't it was hard to regain his balance so Mm -hmm. to speak yeah it was actually when you know paul was killing it then you know it was like in comparison you were like even george you know and ringo you know everybody was like mind games came out and you were comparing mind games to the ringo album band on the run run, yeah speedway and you're going john you know (laughs) what's going on with john because he was always superior yeah i mean plastic ono band came out you were like wow john yeah Yeah. and then imagine came out and you were like yeah you know john john's got it together here and uh it just that elephant's memory <laughs> that's sloppy Catch every time. <laughs> julia my love what do you think about savoy truffle um i have a couple of i'm thoughts. curious your thoughts on this i have a couple of thoughts let's hear them. um i love that there's a whole song about clapton being an absolute little pig <laughs> with a mouthful <laughs> of rotten teeth it just feels very appropriate to me <laughs> Dentistry is not big in no. England. It's not. It's Few not. and far between. I I really got so much joy like hearing the reasoning behind the song because I had no idea. Really? Yeah, and that's I'm just great. like, oh, that's spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, I think it's also amazing how inherently cool people like the Beatles, they're just inherently cool people. Like they just are like, you can't deny it. They're cool. Yeah. Um, they can make anything, even reading like the contents of a box of chocolates sound sexy. Like yeah. <laughs> there was one line, or I guess it's like two lines actually. And it's like cool, cherry cream, nice apple tart. I feel your taste all the time. We're apart. I'm like, yeah. Damn, George, going hard. Yeah, no, George like, is that great. Was... Look, at the, look at the lyrics in Old Brown Shoe one day. And you'll, you know, you'll go, oh, is that what he's saying? That's really cool. Like he was, well, George was the coolest Beatle. I mean, oh, George yeah. was a cool Beatle. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He sang cool and he, he spoke. And, you know, he, when, even when he, when he spoke, he, you know, he talked like a cool guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like sort of that unaffected, I feel like. Just like the yeah, very you know, laid you know, back, a little sarcastic. Too, yeah. you know, like when he met George Martin, and he, you know, I don't like your tie. I don't like your tie. <laughs> it's like such a great line. Yeah. I do feel like there are sections on this. I think it's like the second chorus, where it's maybe like one of his more intense vocals, where like both he and Paul are kind of really pushing it vocally, and George almost never does that. Uh, right. Where I, I kind of was, I was listening in headphones, and it was like, wow, he they, he really went, he goes for it here, and that's not usually his mo. He's usually, like you said, very laid back and calm and kind of chill. So it's interesting to me. Yeah, you didn't mention this at <laughs> all, but I'm curious about the like the lyric where he mentions "oh bloody, oh bloody." Like, what does that mean? Is there do we know? Well, Is there any meaning behind that? Uh, Chris, I'll let you take it. I mean, I, I just know. No. Well, I think it's a little, you know, it's always, again, with George, some sort of sarcasm is entering mm-hmm. the picture. You know, that was a song they all kind of teased a little bit, you know, on a Maxwell Silver Hammer level, not being the Beatles' favorites, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, John played the piano on Oh, Blood, Dio, Blood, I. You always picture Paul, but that's John playing the beginning of that. And I think George is like, you know, just doing what george does 
you know, he's, he's just going to mention that Paul song title and give it a little bit of a, you know, and he kind of mispronounces it too. Like, you know, it's like the way he says it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's just sarcasm, if anything. You know? Yeah. Um, just a little snide. Like, we all know. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Because they did it like a million times. Like that was the whole thing with that song. They, they were doing it over and over and over. And then John went out to get something to eat. He comes back in. And they're still doing it. And he's like, you're still doing this damn song? And he would like, get that. And he would go and he said, get out of here. And he sat down and he nailed that intro. And, you know, I always mention that because I always find it interesting that you picture in your mind Paul McCartney sitting at the piano playing mm-hmm. that because it's all singing, you know. And uh, that happens in reverse a couple of times. Like, uh Sexy Sadie, Paul playing the piano on Sexy Sadie, which mm-hmm. you never you picture John playing the piano on Sexy Sadie. Mm-hmm. And I think John plays piano on Oh Darling. Huh. You never mm-hmm. picture. Yeah. You always picture Paul, well, that's Paul playing Oh, right? Yeah. But John plays piano on Oh Darling. Huh. You can check me. Check me on that one if you want. I'm yeah. trusting you, man. <laughs> You're the guy. <laughs> it's in my head. I wouldn't. It came out of my mouth, so it's got to be right. I, I wouldn't have said it otherwise. Yeah, those are my examples. Always, those are like my three examples yeah. of picturing a, you know in your head, and then it's it's John or Paul playing. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think really like the track absolutely jams like i'm with you yeah. like the the music of it is like such a jam especially in like the verse sections where he's like naming the chocolates like it's just i was oh, definitely Donald, doing like Donald, a Donald, yeah Donald. like i was fully doing like a head bop sitting there listening to it, just like yeah like a little bit of a stank face also <laughs> yep. like it's totally giving me like the little like head bob stank face like oh, yeah. yeah this yeah this yeah. Rocks, man. yeah yeah so like i'm i totally agree with you i'm not gonna debate you on this one too much at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and that mono mix and that mono mix the last verse they take the organ out so you hear the guitar going ding, 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 really crunchy good, yeah like, good mix i'm always surprised when people just like blast this song i feel like i've seen like genuine dislike of the song and i'm like well what, how can you dislike anything in the oh. catalog but like, no, this song I mean, rocks, man. Yeah, no, it's a great song. And I, did you uh, hear Danny's version of it? Danny's yeah, son, from the George Fest. It's so good. Version. Yeah, yeah, it does a great version. So good. Yeah. I love to slip it in with like, you know, other live because you think, wait, wait, when did George do that? Because he sounds just like sounds George. just like him. <laughs> uh, he does let it down too. Same, which thing, is great. Know? Yeah, yeah. Well. At 95 out of 223, and Chris, you, you've seen my rankings up until now. Would you yeah, say... I didn't see past 95. Yeah, I just saw I'm not... Nobody knows what lies I ahead. It's it. all it's surprise. I get it. So would you say too high, too low, or in the right ballpark? If you oh, were to undertake this foolish enterprise. <laughs> I think it's right in the right spot. I even maybe would have put it a little higher in my personal list and you know my thing with the personal list and my favorite this and that with Beatles is always prefaced by saying you know when you ask what's your favorite Beatles song for instance I always say well I can tell you what my current yep (laughs) because it's too hard to say what's your favorite Beatles song because it changes yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know you can in your mind say well if you know I had to answer what I think the best Beatles song is. It's a different answer. You know, you 
go with, you know, a day in the life or something like that, because you know the right answer. Um, but then again, you know, I love the word. You don't like the word. Yeah. Right. So yeah. You know, it's like, you know, like I, I, that's a favorite. Like I love, I love cry baby cry. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's not on people's list, but I, I think it's a per when I hear cry baby cry, there's no part of it that I think ever is below an A plus for me. Everything it does, descending chords, cool lyrics, cool back to, there's no bad part of it. Right. <laughs> there's right. no, well, you know, sometimes songs you love the verse and then, eh, you know, Oh, for sure. I really like Cry Baby too. Cry Baby Cry too. I remember that yeah. episode. It was with Paul, huh? Like, mm-hmm. I love it. I just uh, love that song. Yeah, it and was I was like, so... wait, this feels really low. I think this is a total jam. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a personal thing. You yeah, know? And, just, for sure. And honestly, I, I think if I sat down to do this list again, it would probably be pretty different than it was when I did it, you know, three years ago. Yeah. And that's kind of right. the great thing about this catalog. That was your is... current list. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. It changes, you know. Yep. For a year, "Wait" was my favorite Beatles song for a whole year. Interesting. Wait, it was just Interesting. Like, I could, you know. The other thing with favorites, I always, you know, have to mention when you talk about your favorites is why is it your favorite? A lot of times, a favorite song is because when you first heard it, where you were at when you first heard it, or mm-hmm. what was going on in your life, even if it wasn't, you can't pinpoint point the the actual you know the time of year the the year even you know when you go back and say you know i first heard that and that really is important to think about when you like a song because your mind like your brain knows what your favorite song is like mm. there is a favorite song that you like that the dopamine hits the highest level there there is a favorite you don't know what it is you're guessing what your favorite song is but there is a favorite that you just don't know what it is because like <laughs> computer, there's a computer in your brain that knows <laughs> the right order of what really ding, turns ding, ding. you on. yeah you don't know you think you know <laughs> but there you know so it's it's important to think about where you were and sometimes i think it really clouds your love of something because i can go back to you know when you go back to your high school days right you had whether you were on a date somewhere you were going out for whatever great moment in your life that that led zeppelin song was on Mm -hmm. when you hear that led zeppelin song comes on when dancing days comes on you think of yourself at you know 13 like i do in the you know back of a car you know immediately you love that song for that reason and you you wonder do i like that song if i you know that memory didn't come into my head would i still feel that way about that song right so that kind of shapes what you like and what you don't like yeah absolutely but you don't it's subconscious you don't like know why yeah i mean you're sentimental about songs some song will come on and you haven't heard it and you'll just like melt oh for sure Mm -hmm. i haven't heard that in so long i love that song yeah and it affects you, which is what, you know, what this is really all about. At the oh, a hundred percent. We're talking about musicologists talking about the Beatles. It really comes down to music does something that nothing else can do to you. No movie, no book, nothing. Music affects your mind and your body on like any other thing, any drug, anything. And that's, you know, the untold thing about music. And that's, again, why the Beatles are so successful because they do that more consistently than Mm. anyone else they appeal to more people on a higher level than anybody else that ever tried it you know Mm -hmm. and and that's 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 their place in the world that's my dog barking (laughs) saying chris 
It's five fifty nine. It's, it's one hour exactly. <laughs> Wrap this it up. Be done. Me. Oh, I'm so on. hungry. Murphy, come on in. <laughs> we always got time for puppies. Come on in. Come on. Oh. She's not a puppy, but she's she looks like one. Oh, but she's thirteen. She's thirteen. She's like she's I don't want to. She's a thirteen year old puppy. Oh, oh, I love it. She's like I don't want to be on this podcast with these people. I don't know these people. <laughs> There she is. I see a tail. There we are. <laughs> well, before we wrap up for the day, we do like to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. Can we do some sure, rapid fires? Ready. All right, cool. How many? Six. Five. No, no. Oh, no, okay. okay. <laughs> I was just, cool. Just talking to the dog. <laughs> so, what do you got? The first one we were just talking about. Uh, your favorite Beatles song today, I guess. Currently. My current favorite. My current favorite Beatles song is probably. Um, you never give me your money. Ooh, I like it. I like it. What's your current least favorite Beatles song? Or do you have an all-time least favorite? Um, I'm not a fan of uh, How Do You Do It, written yeah. by uh, Mitch Murray. <laughs> it's one of my <laughs> least favorites. I figured I wouldn't give it a Lennon and McCartney song. Right. But I always hated that one. Yeah, I get with yeah. you on that. How Do You Do It. I think uh, that's at the bottom of your list too. It's pretty low, yeah. Mine, mine are the the German singles, just because uh-huh. from a preference standpoint, I don't need to hear it again necessarily. Like, but don't forget, one of those was recorded brand new, which is cool. 1964, so that's cool in itself. Yes, I will give it a point for that. Um, your favorite Beatles album? Well, that would have to be the U.S. Capitol release of uh, Rubber Soul. Yeah. That's a perfect album in my mind and for my ears and yeah. again i don't know if it's because it was the first album i've ever owned but even now if i have to assess everything and i am no fan of the american beetle albums even though we all grew up with them blah 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 i know all that but you know they're so oddly put together for mm-hmm. instance real quick the Beatles' second album right mm-hmm. paul, McCart- paul mccartney sings one song on one it. song <laughs> one yeah. He sings lead on one song on a Beatles album. Oh. No one ever talks about that, but I do. Interesting. Also, the Revolver we grew up with. Yeah. John Lennon sings two songs two. on Revolver. Yeah. Two. George sings three. Ringo sings one. But John, <laughs> the leader of the Beatles on the Revolver released in America, sings two songs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, again, we didn't know that. We didn't care. No one said anything about it at the time, but it, it's kind of silly. Yeah. When you think about it. Oh, so. for sure. But Rubber Soul, they did good. Oh, yeah, they nailed it on that one. <laughs> that that one and, and Something New are just phenomenal. I love Yeah, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I understand. That's what we grew up with. And, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to the records that, you know, created Beatlemania in the USA. But at the same time, now that, you know, you put them in perspective, you see kind of how jumbled and wacky they were especially yeah. the eight tracks there's yeah. if you got beatles eight tracks saved i think they put you can't do that on three different eight tracks <laughs> oh <laughs> jesus like, what wait what it's on wait yeah it's crazy anyway so this is my my last one and my favorite one and i feel like odds are you'll probably have a pretty cool answer for this mm. your favorite memory associated with the beatles and it can be anything you know we've had people say oh i met paul and blah 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 or i I took my girlfriend on our first date to a Beatles show or, uh, you know, watching Ed Sullivan with my mother, you know, things like that. 
obviously I have many because I've been because <laughs> you host breakfast the, with the Beatles. Beatles world. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I kind of always go to this one and it's, it's kind of a personal thing and I don't even know if I should even mention it, but I, I have, and I will, so I'll do it again. And that, and that is, um, one Monday morning after I had done a, uh, George Harrison birthday show, um, I got a call from Olivia Harrison and she was calling from England. She was at Briar Park and she said, my mother called me and her mom lives in Hawthorne, California. And she said, my mother called me and said that nice boy spent another three hours remembering George on his birthday. And she said, I just wanted to thank you for doing that, Chris. And I'm sitting here in the kitchen looking outside and it's pouring rain and George used to love to garden. He would do his gardening when it would be raining. And I'm sitting in my, you know, underwear in my kitchen on the phone. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, Olivia Harrison is calling me from Friar Park. And she's telling me how George used to like to garden in the rain. And she's looking out alone in this big castle. And, and she's calling me and telling me this story. And I just like, I realized what a great job I had hosting this show and the fact that, you know, her mother, who was probably in her 80s or whatever, called her and was listening to the show and then she calls from England. It, it was just so special to me. And it was, you know, I've met all the Beatles except for John and everything. And those are all great moments. But for some reason, that meant so much to me, you know. Um, it was so out of the blue and unexpected and it was so sincere. And I just, uh, you know, never forgot that. Yeah. So that's probably my favorite story. And again, because I'm such a, you know, George Harrison, all things must pass fan. The whole thing just comes full circle. For yeah. Me. But that was just special. You know, oh, it didn't yeah. happen like, you know, where, you know, where did she get my phone number? You know, it's like, I'm thinking all the things. <laughs> I was just like, wow, you know. Um, it just kind of was special to me. Yeah, that's, that's a that, beautiful that's, story. That's, yeah, that's really lovely. Yeah. yeah, it's not necessarily a Beatles story, but it, it's about a Beatles. That's so, that's in know. the world that works, yep, man. It that totally is, counts. That's gorgeous. Yeah. God, because you know, as as musicians and entertainers, you know, one of the reasons that we do the things we do is you want to connect with somebody, you want to touch somebody, you also want to pay tribute to the stuff that you love and keep putting that out in the world and you know to have it come back so you know, that's as close to the source as you can get and not just like a hey good to meet you but like a a thank you for what you did yeah. that's unheard of like that's amazing that's a, a beautiful story yeah. man i was just picturing her you know in that big old place you yeah. know just looking out this window in the rain it was like i i i'd never been there but i didn't have to be because i I could picture exactly, yeah. you know, what what she was explaining. Wow! And uh, you know, of course, I've had other cool things like you know, looking at my phone and seeing you know, MPL is calling. It's like, <laughs> you know, I got to answer calling to do an interview. <laughs> like he called the house a couple of times. Like Ringo left me a couple of messages on my phone machine. So you know, Beatles calling the house is cool. Yeah. But <laughs> for some reason, a Beatle wife calling me was even more. I don't know. It just, it just stayed with me. Yeah. Well, that's phenomenal. Chris, man, I, I can't thank you enough for making time and coming to do this. 
uh, you are doing the Lord's work, getting this music out there and keeping it in the zeitgeist. And as a, as a fan and listener, I appreciate what you do so, so much. Uh, you know, here's to congrats on 40 years yeah, uh, that's of with the Beatles. And here's to another 40. Long may you reign on every radio format there is. Uh, <laughs> For for our listeners who don't know where to hear Breakfast with the Beatles or where to follow you, where can they find everything, your social medias, uh, your, all that stuff? Yeah, we're at uh, breakfastwiththebeatles.com. You can hear us uh, Monday through Friday mornings on the Beatles channel, SXM 18. We begin promptly at 8 a.m. East Coast time. And then on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, I host Chris Carter's British Invasion, which is a four-hour British rock and roll show where we play the Beatles and the Kings and the Stones and Bowie and T-Rex and Mop, the Hoople and Oasis and all sorts of British rock and roll. And that's uh, Saturday and Sunday in Little Stevens Underground Garage, XXM 21. And then I'm on KLOS on Sunday mornings doing a live breakfast with the Beatles. And this uh, coming Sunday, I don't know when this is going to air, but Lawrence Juber will be our guest from Wings, the nice. fastest player in the world. Nice. His hands are like amazing. We have a we have an interview that we taped with him that's coming out in a few weeks as well. Ah, so great. that'll be cool. He's got a and this wonderful is wonderful. This is actually our our this will be our end of the year episode. This will air the last week of December. So we're getting oh, your wow, 40th right. anniversary just under the wire. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, next year is going to be a big year for all things 60 years old with yep. the Beatles. That Ed Sullivan thing and the Beatles coming to America. It's like a whole big thing. Yeah. So, well, thank you for having me. Chris, there. thank you, you so much, man. You let Julia. An absolute pleasure. And, uh, you know, we've got a, we've got 94 more of these. So as we get closer, if there's another one you want to come on uh, and do, just let us know. We'd love to have you back. Let me know. All right, guys. Thanks for awesome. having me. Thanks, man. Have a good evening. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. Right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Chris Carter, everybody. Wow. Wow. What a great episode. Yeah. It was such a blast to talk to. And God, what a what an amazing story about Olivia calling. Like, that's incredible. It is. Yeah. Like, it's also really nice to um, talk to the person whose voice I hear on my car all the time. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, it sounds just like him. Yeah. It is him, Julia. It is him. <laughs> <laughs> you sound just like him. <laughs> oh, man. What a good year. A good way to end the year. I feel good about it. How do you feel? Great. We did it. We did it. 2023 ranking High the fives. Beatles in the books, baby. Uh, friends, what do you all think about Savoy Truffle? At number 95. Do you think I'm just right? Wait, I blew it. Oh, oh no. No, you oh, can't go no. back now. Can't I, go back now. You end it. Do you think it's in the ballpark? Am I too high? Am I too low? Give me a good one for the end of the year. Or just like Baby Bear's Porridge, are we? Just right. Oh, come on. Give me one with a little, a little joie de vivre. No. I'm not giving you any of that. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, let us know what you think wherever you're following along ranking the Beatles uh, on all the socials. You can find us. We're on Facebook at ranking the Beatles. Are you eating cheese? No, <laughs> we're I just, I forgot what you said. Okay. I looked over and I saw your little thing. And I was like, are you eating cheese? No, again? it took me a second to process because okay. you mess up the order, not mess up. It. You change Sorry. the order every time. And I'm always like, wait, mm. what did you just say? Which one is that? All right. We've done Facebook. If you're looking for us on Twitter, you can find us at ranking Beatles. And if you're looking for us on Instagram, we're there at ranking the Beatles. That is correct. Be sure to follow along on all those sites, whatever you're on. 
Join in the conversation. Let us know what you think. Check out rankingthebeatles.com for all things RTB. Uh, it's cold right now. It's the end of the year. It's chilly. Grab yourself a jumper. Unless you're in Australia or New Zealand or somewhere where it's still hot mm. and that's strange. Get uh, a tank top. Get a tank top or a t-shirt. Yeah. We have options. We do. We aim to please. Grab yourself a Ranking Your Own Beatles poster and rank them your damn self. And let us know how you do it. Um, and be sure to tell a friend what we're doing and leave us a review on your podcast provider of choice. That's it. 2023 is in the books, my friends. We did we the did dang it. thing. I'm proud of us. Everybody, have a wonderful new year. Stay safe. Stay happy. We'll see you in 2024 e. with brand new episodes, more Beetle Ranking, more Baby Bear's Porridges, <laughs> all the good stuff. Uh, until then, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Julia. This has been Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.